Today's program was brought to you by MailChimp. More than 6 million people use MailChimp to design and send email marketing campaigns. MailChimp's new automation features make it easy to provide timely, relevant information to your customers and prospects. Learn more at MailChimp.com automation. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to After the Jump live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes anytime. For today's show, I'm tackling a topic that moves beyond the world of design and touches on something that's important to every field and every business how to create content and share your message with the new online world. Over the past few years, the way that people find, read, and ultimately react to content online has drastically changed. In just a few years, the web has gone from being a place where people went directly to their favorite sources of information and entertainment to a world where they can have only their favorite curated forms of content delivered directly to their virtual doorstep in the form of social media, RSS feeds, and a number of other mobile and subscription-based services. Not only that, But these platforms, things like Pinterest and Tumblr, now give everyone the ability to instantly become their own curator and producer of content. In short, it's never been easier to find so much of any sort of content you could ever want. But it's also never been harder to get your content in front of as many people as you'd like. Here's what that means for the rest of us. You have to be everywhere and anywhere your readers could possibly find you. That means that your message, your updates, and your photos need to be in their RSS feed, on their Pinterest boards, and popping up regularly across all of their social media feeds. And well, that's a lot of work. But the good news is that a lot of people are making it work. And a lot of people and businesses are thriving right now because of all these platforms. The key is understanding how to create enough of the right type of content for each of these platforms without driving yourself crazy and working yourself into the ground. And today, I'm going to teach you how. So, welcome to the Design Sponge School of Creating Content for the New Online World. Before we start, here are some essential guidelines to remember. First, The internet is always changing. No matter what happens and what feels comfortable today, trust that a month from now, it's going to be a little bit different. Second, people's attention spans are always getting shorter. Even though we thought it's not possible for them to get shorter than they are now, inevitably, a year from now, they will be even shorter. Third, quality will always be just as important as something that's catchy and sizzly, as long as it's promoted properly. Fourth, People don't sit and wait for you. You have to go to them. And fifth, the internet is always changing. I always think it's good to reaffirm that because it is the most true thing we know about working on the web. But here's a calming note to keep in mind. The thing that most people get wrong, including me for a very long time, is thinking that more demand equals more content and more work. But the greater demand While it does mean that your content needs to appear in more places and in different ways, it doesn't have to equal more work and more stress for you. What it means is that you're going to spread a smaller amount of high-quality content onto a wider range of platforms. 
the key words here are high quality content. I like to think of it as spreading butter over toast. If you spread something that's too thin over too much of something, it's always going to read that way, as if you can see straight through it. But if you take your time to produce something that's rich and high quality, it will spread easily and effortless, effortlessly over different platforms. So our goal today is to come up with easy and effortless ways to create high quality content that you can share across a number of platforms without jeopardizing your health or quality of your voice and message. So let's talk about the overview map of where your content should be appearing these days. I think of this as sort of a bucket system with one giant one at the top that's the most important, trailing all the way down to the tiny ones that are sort of small eye candy related content. At the very top of that is print. Now, print might be phasing out in a lot of ways, but when it comes to the quality of content and the amount of time you put into something, print will always be the top of every list because that's something that is written down, that's permanent, and that's saved forever. The next lowest category is a homepage or a blog of some sort. This could be your own website for your shop. This could be a blog that you update on a regular basis or just some other regular website that people can return to that's related to your website or a business that you run. The next lowest level is the sort of gatekeepers of social media. This is YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The reason these are secondary is that these are still social media that require a little bit of extra work. You're going to be creating a video for YouTube. For Facebook and Twitter, you're going to be adding text as well as images. So that leaves the very last rung as the short eye candy versions of social media, which are Pinterest and Instagram. These are the lowest rung because they are so visually driven that you don't really have to think about anything to write for these. It's all about finding a great photograph. The goal is to come up with types of content that come naturally to you, that are able to be broken up into several different parts, the bulk of which will appear in your main content hub, whether that's your print magazine, your newsletter, or your blog, and the rest of which will be divvied up and then shared on much smaller image-based platforms like Pinterest or Instagram. The goal with this method is to help you get more from smaller amounts of brainstorming, research, and work. So I want to start by talking about the three best ways to come up with content. They are researching, the brainstorming top 10, and trusted go-tos. Each method is valid in its own right and a crucial part of the overall method you'll use to come up with the content that you share. So let's start with the first, research. When it comes to research, I like to start in the very beginning, which is to look at what already exists in your community. Whether that means you drag out a stack of magazines, you spend a few hours going through your favorite websites, what you want to do are find your favorite posts, photos, column ideas, or just other concepts of content from other sites, people, and publications that you love. The second way of researching is to install a tracking device on a website that you already have. I am a big fan and a big believer in Google Analytics. It's free easy to install, and it's the one trusted by almost every company and research group out there. What it does is it lets you look for your most popular post areas, and you can even drill deeper into looking at the keywords people use to come to your website. Those are incredibly valuable tools for looking into what people already love the most about what you're doing. 
even if you're not already blogging or writing things actively, you can use tools like this to tell how people come just to your homepage. If you run a restaurant and you find the keywords are Southern cooking, you know that maybe that's a great place to start when you start writing content for your blog. The next thing to look at for researching is look into your comments and message boards. Anything related to your field, that's where you want to pay attention. What sorts of things are people saying? What do they want to see more of? What are they complaining about? I hate to suggest it, but even the dreaded GoMe, which is the website getoffmyinternets.com, can be valuable research. Be sure to go with a very thick skin, but it is a great place to figure out what people are tired of seeing in certain categories. And even amongst all of the complaining and name calling, there is very valuable research to be found there related to what people want from certain industries, whether it's food blogs and entertaining blogs to lifestyle and fashion. It's all there. It's just not written in the nicest way. The other thing to think about with research is staying up to date on current trends in the world and in your community. Writing posts like this that are related to what's really happening up to the minute in your current world are things that are going to be some of your most popular and successful posts, not only because they're things that are timely and that people are interested in, but they're also going to be very successful when it comes to search engine optimization or SEO. If you're writing about things that people are actively searching for right now, your post is going to come to the top of the list. All of the ideas that you gain from research should be jotted down somewhere clean, somewhere organized, and somewhere easily accessible. I personally work best in an online Google document that I can always access. But if you work best in written form, just carry a small notebook with you so you can capture ideas on the go whenever you have them. Now let's, talking about, now let's talk about brainstorming, the second type of work you'll do coming up with content to write for your brand or business. For me, brainstorming is all about drawing on what I call the big 10 categories of posts. So I'll break them down for you. The first is how-to and instructional posts. For someone like me, that's a quick and easy DIY or do-it-yourself post. But if you're a cook, that could be something about breaking down how to make a recipe. The second category of brainstorming and post types is informational slash history or background posts. This is a very broad category, but it's the type of post you'll probably write the most, where you're talking about the background of something that you work with, whether it's an ingredient or a type of furniture that you're making. It's a simple post that seeks to give people more information about something that you're interested in. The third type of post is a review. Now, if you're somebody who's trying to promote your own work, you might be reviewing something that you attended. It might be a trade show. It might be a gathering of people who work in the same field. Whatever it is, reviews are a very popular type of post, primarily because it's something people search for on a regular basis on Google. The fourth type of brainstorming bucket is a list of resources. Now, for me, I found this is the one of the most successful type of posts to produce, but one that takes a while to do. Because a list of resources that comes from you should be something that is trusted, researched, and that you know personally works. So if you're giving people a list of trusted upholsterers, these should be people you know for a fact are worth working with and businesses worth supporting. So be careful with these types of posts. You want to make sure that you can back them up. The fifth type of post is an interview. 
I love doing these, but they can be tricky. So if interviewing isn't something that comes naturally to you, my first tip is to always read and watch as many interviews as you can. I love to watch different types of interviews. I find that television interviews or podcast interviews tend to have a very different pace and tone than written interviews. So figure out which seems like the best for you and make a dream list of people you'd like to talk to. The sixth bucket is a visual tour or photo essay. If you work in the creative field, this is a no-brainer. This is something where you might do a quick and easy home tour or maybe a tour of your new restaurant or a photo essay about a new studio that opened down the street. It's something that's very simple, catchy, and easy to spread on social media. The seventh category of the Big Ten are roundups and best ofs. These are great because a lot of times it's hard to write something that's incredibly new and fresh and timely. And sitting around to think about what's happening in your community will take a little bit of time. So if you want to look back in your archives or things that you've written before, you can write a roundup or a best of something you've done. For example, on Design Sponge, we run a lot of home tours. We run hundreds of them in a couple months. And so sometimes at the end of the year, I love to look back and pull out things that are particularly interesting. In the winter, we'll do best of fireplaces, and we'll go through hundreds and hundreds of home tours to find the fireplaces that we think are the most interesting, provide some sort of interesting DIY idea, or are just gorgeous to look at. It takes me a little bit of time to go through everything, but it still pulls a lot of traffic and interest back to content we've already spent a lot of time working on. The eighth bucket of brainstorming is commentary on current trends. Now, there's a caveat with this one. Commentary will be some of the most popular things that you ever post on your site because people love to talk about what's new, what's happening, what's on trend. But it can be controversial. So if you have a stance on something that's particularly out of the norm or might be a little bit on the edge, be prepared for people to respond accordingly. I think that's totally fine and encourage people to have hearty debate on the site whenever possible. But if you're not super comfortable with people disagreeing with you, commentary is one to be very careful about. I find in general with a commentary post, it's really good to go ahead and show that to somebody else before you put it live on your side, on your site, because commentary, especially on something somewhat controversial, can have an effect on your brand and your business as a whole. So tread lightly with commentary posts. The last two are link lists and podcasts or videos. Link lists are a roundup of great resources or suggestions that exist outside of your world. So for example, if you run a restaurant, maybe you want to write a list of 10 places you think are great to get drinks in a city nowhere near you. This is something that's helpful for somebody who loves your style and your taste and wants to try something different. And it's not about promoting things that you already do. It's about sort of sharing the love and getting information out there for people who do something you think is great. The very last one is one of my favorites, and you're listening to one now. It's a podcast or a video. Now, these take a while to make, and they're not the simplest posts to throw up there, but they are worthwhile and so fun to do, and I've found connect you to such a different audience than you might already connect to if you're just running a blog. So if you've ever thought about getting on a microphone, trying out a video camera, it's the time to do it. Never have these types of media been so popular, especially when simple one-photo types of content seem to rule the internet right now. Podcasts are making a huge resurgence, and videos, especially in the form of YouTube, have never been more popular. You do not have to be a professional videographer to do content like this. You just have to have a smartphone or some sort of camera you can connect easily to your computer. And the great thing is, 
very simple video apps exist all over the app store. So whether you're downloading something like Hyperlapse and making fun time-lapse videos that you post on Instagram, or you download really simple video editing software so you can upload something quick and fun to YouTube, there are so many resources that are easy to use and make adding this sort of different media content to your website a piece of cake. Now I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back, I want to break down all of the different trusted go-to posts that I rely on for creating content on the web. This episode of After the Jump is supported by MailChimp. More than 6 million people use MailChimp to design and send email marketing campaigns. MailChimp's new automation features make it easy to provide timely, relevant information to your customers and prospects. Instantly send welcome emails, product recommendations, special offers, and more. Segmentation, personalization, automation, all in one. Learn more at MailChimp.com slash automation. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're talking about great ways to create content for the changing online world. Before the break, I was talking about the importance of brainstorming and some sort of big 10 categories that almost all posts fall into. The key to these brainstorming categories is that there are only empty category boxes waiting to be filled by your unique versions of all these different ideas that we're talking about. You shouldn't absentmindedly write a how-to post if that doesn't feel right to you. But if, for example, you recently made over the dining tables at your new restaurant, there's a chance to teach people something from that. And that ties in directly to your personal story. And that personal touch will always be what pulls people into any post. So now let's talk about the good old-fashioned and trusted go-tos. These are the third and final branch of your content research that will help you come up with ways to spread your message across the web. Trusted go-tos are the types of posts that most of us know from experience will almost always work on the web. They won't work if you just phone it in, but they are categories that people seem to always be interested in because they touch on the idea of a universal and shared experience between all people. These are my six trusted go-tos. The first is what I call a day in the life. This is a moment where you share something very real and relatable with everybody reading. It could be a day in your life. It could be a day in a coworker's life or just a day in the life of somebody you really admire. People love to see into the homes, the studios, and the processes of people that they admire. So whether or not you are talking to an artist or a chef or a shop owner, give people a glimpse into what it's like to be that person. It's that sort of voyeuristic interest that everybody has that makes this type of post so successful. The second type of post that I use sparingly but has always been successful is a spin on the day in the life. And it's what I just call a general guest post. 
It means that you give a section of your platform over to somebody else that shares your ethics, your aesthetics, or ideas that you think are awesome. This could be you giving your Instagram feed over to a fellow designer or a fine artist. This could be you saying, hey, you run a shop that I think is amazing on the West Coast, and I do something similar on the East Coast. I'm going to give you five blog posts this week to share your point of view and how you do things differently there. It's the same concept of giving people sort of a behind-the-scenes look. It's somebody else that you are vetting as great and worth following. The third post is something you don't do often, but something that's important to do at least once a year, and that is to share your own personal or brand manifesto. Now, it doesn't need to be so intense or political as the word manifesto would suggest, but it does need to encompass all those things that happen in a manifesto, which are things you believe in, the core guiding principles that have to do with your business, and what people can expect to find from your website, your feed, or whatever platform you're working from. The reason this is an important type of post and the reason people love to read them is that it's you staking a claim, putting a line in the sand that says, this is who I am and this is what I do here. And if you're into this, this is a great place to be. It might not always work with some of your readers. They may disagree with some of the points in your list, but you're not about trying to find the most amount of readers at all time. What anyone should be interested in when it comes to working online is finding the type of readers who share your interests and share your beliefs. This is how you build a core audience that's devoted and into what you do. So a manifesto or some sort of guiding principle post is always a great idea. My fourth go-to post type is a story of a favorite place, person, or thing. This is one that you can do more regularly, maybe once a month, maybe even every other week if you do it right. When you share something that's personal, trusted, and a real favorite of yours, that's always going to go over well with audiences. Because even if you're one of a team of writers writing for a website or a brand's page, people want to know more about you. And getting to tell your absolute top favorite thing, place, or person really lets that connect with the reader. Now, obviously, the word favorite is involved here, so you don't want to overuse that word. You cannot write about your favorite restaurant every other week because then the word favorite has no meaning. So be sure to sort of spread out how many times you talk about any particular category or thing and just make sure that you've really vetted the thing you're going to be talking about. The fifth go-to post that I love is sharing your trusted tools, whether they're digital or in-person, and sharing a photo. I created an entire column devoted to this on my website called What's in Your Toolbox, where we talked to some of my favorite fine artists to see what sort of paintbrushes they used, what were their favorite pen types, what were their favorite paint colors. Now, obviously, this is going to change from niche to niche, but it's another way people get to look a little bit deeper into the life of someone or a place that they really admire. I find pictures are incredibly important to this, so don't don't overlook that when writing that post, but specifics are so important. You wouldn't believe how many people are so fascinated in finding out what particular type of pen and what pen color their favorite writer uses. That will always be interesting to anybody reading. The last, and I think my personal favorite top of the list trusted go-to post, is to honestly share a moment of both failure and a moment of success with the people who are reading what you write. Now, this moment of failure doesn't have to be colossal. It doesn't have to be something that has totally wrecked your business. But it's an honest moment that shares a moment 
a, a time when you tripped, where you faltered, where something didn't go the way you wanted it to. Now, the reason it's important to share this is because people want to know that you are human. Whatever you do, if you are only writing things that are about how great everybody is, how great all of your triumphs are, it becomes difficult to connect with a person who doesn't ever do anything wrong. So sharing the moments where things don't work out allow you to have some sort of connection and commonality with the people reading. But it's also important to share a moment that worked out or a moment that you learned something from that failure. Because if you're only talking about things that don't work out, that's going to bum people out too. So be sure to share that with a little bit of lesson mixed into it and be sure to mix the good with the bad. It's going to humanize you and your brand in a way that you can't do any other process. So now you should have a huge list of ideas related to these content generating techniques and you just have to figure out where and how to use them. Here's my rule of thumb. Deep content that's long in form, and by long I mean longer than a thousand words, belongs in print or on a blog. The second is that content that's bite-sized should be placed on platforms that allow for words and text, like Facebook. Content that's purely visual should be saved for something like Pinterest or Instagram, where the image is key. And before we get to the end and see how this whole process works in action, I want to share a quick tip about titles. Titles are the first and often only thing people will see related to the content you worked so hard to produce. So don't overlook this important part of sharing content. My simple suggestion is this. Short and sweet is always a good idea. A long rambling title won't show in full on most platforms. So leave the subtitles for the body of your post. Something that's vague or sarcastic will totally be lost on your readers, as will the rest of the post. Titles that are overly clickbaity or are driven by just numbers will read as trying too hard. So the aim should be to find something that is enticing but still accurate. For example, if you want to show people the new cafe that you're opening that you bootstrap together on your own, you don't want to write something like this. This is the only cafe you will ever need to see in your whole life. People will write that. Don't do that. But you may want to try something like a Nashville coffee shop built from salvaged barn wood and a little help from friends. Something like that gives some detailed information. It makes it personal and gives some information about what people are going to be reading. It also includes some important words that people search for, like a city, the type of shop, and specific details like barn wood, for example. What you want to do with the title is give something that's informational, that's a little bit catchy, but doesn't try so hard to be SEO friendly. So let's put this into action and see how the plan works. I'm going to run you through what it's like to take one particular idea you've gotten and turn that into content for all the different platforms. So let's say for the sake of experiment that I am a brand new designer who's launching a collection of wallpaper. First, I'm going to research what's happening in my community. And let's say I drag out a whole pile of magazines, and I really love that House Beautiful magazine happens to do some really great behind-the-scenes peaks. So I'm going to write down behind-the-scenes post in my notebook. The second thing I'm going to do is look at the range of post types that are popular online and see if any of them relate to the idea of doing a behind-the-scenes look at my business. You might happen to love the idea of doing some sort of video. So write down next to your behind-the-scenes peak the idea of doing a video of behind the scenes of your process. So now that you've got your idea, which is to do a behind the scenes peek of your collection that includes a video, 
I'm going to flesh it out a bit and come up with all the different types of content from that one idea that you can do for all the channels. So if the overall idea is to do a behind the scenes peek, here are ways we can stretch that. First, think of that very top bucket we talked about, which is print or blog, where all of your heavy, heavy content will live. With this example, you could create a full photo essay of 10 to 15 pictures of the creation of that wallpaper line from concept and sketches to final packaged product. You'll write captions and interesting details about the process in that main post that lives on your blog or in a print publication. You can then come up with something that works for YouTube, perhaps a quick and informal two-minute video tour of the production studio where you handprint your paper and grab clips of the paper being rolled up and packaged. This will, of course, link back to your main blog post where people can find more information and then buy that final wallpaper. For social media, that's got a bit more room for text. I might do a small photo collection of two to three images on Facebook where I can show the before and after of a blank sheet of wallpaper, then a process shot, and then the finished piece. Then that will link back to both the process video and the full 15 photo tour on your main blog. For social media that's image-based, like Pinterest, I might pin just a few photos from the studio or the production facility and then link back to both the video and the full post on your main site. But it could also be fun to share a few personal pictures on Instagram, maybe a close-up of my hands after they're covered in ink from sketching or from the printing of wallpaper. If you've got time, it could even be fun to stitch together just a few stills from the video and turn that into a tiny 10-second video that gets posted on Instagram or Vine. The end result of, of what should be no more than maybe a few hours of work is a rich and interesting content that can be spread across a wide range of channels without requiring a huge team of people and a huge team of writers to come up with mounds and mounds of extra content. I hope that this technique will help all of you listening come up with easy and effective ways to get your message out into the world. Remember, it's not about staying up all night to find one million different things to say. It's about spending time to come up with that one high quality idea that you can easily break down into several different forms that will reach a much larger amount of people. At the end of the day, you really want to stay true to who you are, what you do, and what you believe. All of these online changes and new platforms are only tools that help you do that in a way that's authentic to you. So always take a deep breath and remember that the only person who can tell your story is you. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you back here next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.